Now, though, another episode of the show Kenneth Williams described in his diary as everything from absolute death to a simple good. Let's judge for ourselves, shall we? In the Betty Witherspoon show, broadcast in May of 1974 and thankfully recorded off-air and now recovered for the BBC Archive. It's the Betty Witherspoon Show, and here's Betty! Thank you. Oh, thank you. You are, you are so wonderful. I honestly, a little tune now on the violin. Honestly, I don't know what I'd do without you. I don't really. You'd always have me. <laughs> Who needs enemies when they have friends like you? Go to on. be or not to be? That is the question. Mm, as of your time of life, it would be. <laughs> you don't seem to realise that I'm preparing myself for this week's play. Oh. It's Shakespeare this time. I've got my release from the National Theatre specially. Release? Yes. Release? Yes. That's when they pay you to stay away. <laughs> well, you don't need audiences, Will. <laughs> Have you know, my dear friend, that yeah. Sir John Gielgud once came to dinner and praised my Hamlet? Yeah, you deaf twit. He mentioned omelette, not Hamlet. Take <laughs> all over your face. Omelette to Sully Visage. Omelette to Visage. <laughs> I was merely ruminating. Careful, dear. Careful. Careful. <laughs> Ruminating about Shakespeare's plays. Why don't you try Comedy of Errors? That'd suit you, eh? That'd suit you. <laughs> Working with you is more like the taming of the shrew. Do your words, do your words. Go on, G give us a bit of your soliloquy. Go on, go on. What, in front of all these people? Yeah, go on, do it. No, I won't. Go on, do no. it. Do I it. refuse to be rushed. I have to feel it. Oh, I see again. Catch up! It's all in the mind. Ooh. It's all in the mind. If you tell yourself you can do something, then you can do it. I think you've done it. Yeah. <laughs> if I were to tell you... Now, let me prove this. You made the statement. Yes. If I were to tell you now to leave my show and then your mind told your body, do you think there's any chance of it happening? Not at all. Not at all. At the moment, my mind is telling me that I am a star! I'm a star! <laughs> it's amazing what some bodies will believe, isn't it? <laughs> to be or not to be. And you know, you can always tell a star, can't you? Mm, I do. I love star. I love stargazing. Do you really? I love it. Yes, I'm always stargazing. Yes. Oh, I love you stargazing, too. I, uh, I went to a premiere the other night in the West End. It's good fun, isn't it, spotting who's who? I always Have go. You when I go, I wear, I wear a bright green coat, mm. dark glasses and an orange hat. <laughs> Why is that? So people don't notice me. <laughs> That's a little bit vain, isn't it? Well, you gonna give the public, you know, a little of what they want. You've got to. They don't like their stars to look dowdy like you. Your clothes aren't all that smart. Mm? What about that embarrassing fur coat of yours? What about it? I what thought about? you'd stolen one of the secretary's coats. And we went out to lunch, yes. It's a musical tradition, you know. Go Max on. Miller used ah. to wear a fur coat right down to his ankles. 
Raccoon, it was. Raccoon. Ah, Thanks. yes, Always. yes, that's all right. And he used to wear a big white hat and tell risque jokes. That doesn't mean you have to. Although I don't know about the risque jokes, though. <laughs> I, I would have thought you would have adopted a hat. No, we preferred a child. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, a hat would be more used to you. I mean, that receding hairline needs protection against the winter blast. At least my hairline has the decency to recede quietly instead of waving all over the place like yours. I've just given it a rinse. <laughs> Was it blue like a joke? <laughs> I suppose you still go to a barber. One of those men who leans over and asks, would you like any requisites? Oh. That's it, isn't it? <laughs> you dirty yes. thing. Oh! Well, I go to a hair stylist. Are you sure that mm. he didn't graduate from styling cars? What? I mean, those two wings either side of your head, you know. You must do something about them. They look like the wings on an old bangle I once had. <gasps> Next time, why don't you go and see a mechanic? He put your wig back on straight. How dare you? I'm not going to stay here to be insulted. I know where I'm going. Down the passage, first on the right. And now, from that to a message from Inspector Spules of Scotland Yard. Inspector Spules here, calling all cars, calling all cars. A lady has been locked out of her flat in number 69, repeat, Swazant Nerf, Shady Lane. Please assist her to re-enter building as I inadvertently still have the key in my possession. Bon chance, lads. And here's a special traffic warning. Beware all motorists. Beware all motorists, especially if you're a pedestrian. <laughs> Thank you very much, Inspector Spules. The pleasure is all mine, sweetie. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And if anyone has seen the inspector or can give information, send the details under plain cover to Sordid Films Incorporated, Greek Street, London, SEX. And beware! <laughs> I must warn you that Inspector Spews may still be at large, and another reason, housewives, to be careful when you open your front doors, because, actually, it's usually just a salesman. Good morning, madam. Uh, no, thank you. I, uh, You're an encyclopedia salesman. We don't want any... No, I'm not selling anything. I'm your door-to-door -door doctor, dentist and optician. Well, there's nothing wrong with me. That's my job to find out. Look, I go to Dr Smithers. I don't think he'd oh, like it if worry. I... Don't I give you a quick look over oh. and nobody would know the difference. Well, I, I suppose it won't do any harm. God, shut both eyes and read this notice. Well, I can't see. Oh, I've only been here a minute already and I've detected a sight problem. <laughs> but, but, yes, but, but, yes, but, yes, yes. And but, a stutter. But, a stutter. But, yes. Now put this thermometer in your mouth. Oh, oh, oh. oh Doctor, give oh. it to me. Give it to me straight. Well, 50 years ago it was serious, but now this is fatal. What? Oh, wait a minute. A word association test. Tell me the first word that comes into your mind after each word I say. Right, yeah. Me. I. Tree. Wood. Hate. Like. Television. A set. Off. Of. Books. Encyclopedias. Now say all of that together. I would like a set of encyclopedias. Good. Sign here. Thank you very much indeed. We come to that part of our show. That part of our show where the kindly commissioners pass among you and hand out cotton wool to plug your ears. It's song time. Nostalgia madness Everyone wants to live in the past It's a big business like anything else It's like cashing in now On life being too fast Do you remember shows like it now Where the water is 
jolly good fun. Ration boots, blackout, air raid warnings brought the best from every English man. Everyone's got nostalgia madness. Everyone wants to live in the past. It's, it's a, a big business like anything else. It's like cashing in now or like being too fast. Kenny will sing again. There were film stars, real stars, big stars, names like Rita, Bogie, Marlene. They needed space, the big screen treatment, not the late movie on the TV scene. Clothes were clothes when we wore them, not an imitation of a bygone age. Gleaming lipstick, hair perm, just so, the more uncomfy, the more the rage. Everyone's got nostalgia madness. Everyone wants to live in the past. It's a big business like anything else. It's like cashing on now or it being too fast. Oh my goodness, we'll never make it. Kenny wants more, please. Sport was sport the way we played it. La would bold at the kangaroo's tail. And if Steve Donahue was on the favourite, even Lester Pickett would admit he'd fail. Oh, Full of pool and June and champagne. None of this feel up and none of this drug stuff. Times will never be the same again. Everyone's got nostalgia madness. Everyone wants to live in the past. It's a big business like anything else. It's like cashing in now and like being too fast. Cashing in now like being fast. <laughs> I tell you, the Rolling Stones. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, and I suppose that just about takes in all of you, <laughs> it's time for Witherspoon's World, our distorted look at the world around us. And this week our documentary examines the world of transport, which these days is so fast we're all seeing less and less of more and more. Soon it'll only take four hours to fly to Australia, imagine that. Half an hour for flying, three and a half hours to get to London Airport. <laughs> Isn't it true? As someone once said of air transport, it's hours of boredom interrupted by moments of stark terror. You know the feeling. This is your pilot, Captain Chance speaking. Welcome aboard flight RE-172 to New York. Our Pan Air jet is flying at a height of 27,000 feet at a speed of 600 miles per hour. If you look to your left, those of you sitting on the starboard side will be able to see that one of the engines is on fire. <laughs> but not to worry. I'm not panicking. Unfortunately, those of you sitting on the port side haven't got anything as exciting as an engine on fire to look at because both engines fell off three miles back. But again, don't worry. I am not at all alarmed. No doubt those of you sitting toward the rear of the aircraft will have noticed a widening crack appearing in the central gangway through which you'll be able to see the Atlantic rollers below you. There is no need to worry. I am quite calm. Those of you with good eyesight will be able to see a small rubber dinghy down there on the Atlantic rollers. 
that is our means of rescue. Personally, I have no worries at all about ultimate survival, principally because I'm speaking to you from that rubber ding. <laughs> Now, when you come to think of it, motoring is even more hazardous. Uh, excuse me, uh, oh, yes. but is this vehicle licensed? Oh, licensed? Oh, yes, of course it is. Oh, yes. well, in that case, madam, I'll have a large scotch, three brown arrows, and a packet of crisps. <laughs> <laughs> motoring, of course, always creates controversy. I mean, did you read about that little town in a remote part of Wales? The council wanted to make the high street one way, and there was only one street. So no one ever came home. <laughs> but that was what the husband said anyway. <laughs> In the dock, you know. But, and you can't park a car within 25 miles of Piccadilly. That's not a police regulation, it's a fact. One way to get rid of London's traffic problem, I think, would be to make all the streets north of Oxford Street one way. And after a couple of days, all London's traffic problems will be Birmingham's. <laughs> you know it makes sense. <laughs> ah, but of course, one must admit that most... Controversy concerns women drivers. Daddy, Mummy ran over my tricycle when she was backing the car out of the garage this morning. How many times have I warned you, Cynthia? What? You mustn't leave your tricycle in the middle of the living room. Oh, yes. <laughs> Before we leave the subject of motor cars altogether, I'd like to answer a query from Inquisitive of Staines, who writes... Dear sir, what happens to a motor car when it gets too old and banged up to run properly? Well, Inquisitive of Staines, it's quite simple, really. Somebody sells it to me. <laughs> now, let's turn to the mode of transport that has broadened more horizons than the sliced loaf. I defer, of course, to space travel. Personally, I've always affirmed a terror of leaving terra firma. <laughs> Clever Teddy! Clever Teddy! But the astronauts are braver men than I am, I must admit. Commander Kapalski, what does it feel like to be perched up there in a space capsule ready to be blasted off at 2,000 miles an hour into the unknown? How would you feel, kiddo, if you were sitting on top of 10 million moving parts, each one made by the lowest bidder? <laughs> yeah, but what do you intend to do during the long, lonely hours of your three-year journey beyond Mars? It's simple, really. I plan to cry a lot. <laughs> but having got to another planet, spooning in June by the light of the silvery earth is bound to lead to romance. Hello, Mrs. Raquel Welsh of Hendon speaking. <laughs> Hello, Mother, it's your son here. I've got some great news for you. I've just got married. Oh, wonderful. Do we know her? No, Mother, you see, it's like this. My wife is a Martian. She's got antennae and she's green. Oh, we can't all come from Hendon, darling. <laughs> You're being very understanding, Mother, but there's one thing. We have no place to stay. When landlords see my wife, they refuse to rent us accommodation. Now, don't worry, darling. You and your new wife can come right on over here and stay with us. But where, Mother? We 
You don't have a room. Ah, nonsense, son. You and your wife can stay in our bedroom. Father can sleep on the sofa. You'll be so kind to his mother, but where will you sleep? Ah, don't worry about your poor old mother, dear. As soon as I hang up, I'm going to drop dead. <laughs> Well, of course, north of the border, transport is a whole lot slower, it says here. Well, here I am in the West Highlands, where I hope to find out how the closure of certain branch lines has changed things in this part of the world. Uh, madam. Uh, tell me, if I take a short cut across this field, will I be in time to catch the 8.15 train from Troon? Oh, aye, go ahead. But if the Aberdeen Angus Bull sees you, you'll be in time to catch the 7.45. <laughs> Thank you, Miriam McWelch. And that just about wraps up Witherspoon's world for another week. Next week, our documentary is about the great London taxi disaster when two London taxis crashed head-on in the mall and 47 Scotsmen were killed. <laughs> ah, bloody hell. Oh! <laughs> ah, Mr. Clever Sassenach. I'll have you know I'm a Scotsman by birth and so was my mother. That is indeed consoling news. Ah, and all that stuff about meanness is utter nonsense. We're just shrewd, that's all, shrewd. I agree with the shrew part of it. Mm. I'm not so sure about the D. <laughs> oh, seriously, Ken, seriously. I went to a very strange restaurant the other night. Really, a very strange indeed. Good evening, waiter. Uh, good, good evening, sir. Yeah. Here's, here's the menu. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Seems to be a lot of fish on the menu. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll get you a clean one. <laughs> here, here. Would you like a roll, sir? Left it a bit late, haven't you? Uh. <laughs> Am I right in saying or thinking this is a fish restaurant? Yes. Everything comes from the sea. I say, would you mind closing the door? There's a terrible draught in here. I'm sorry, sir. I'll see if I can get you a better one. I suppose, uh, I'm assuming that all this fish is frozen. Oh, I expect so, sir. It's been sitting in the draught. <laughs> I must say, this roll is tough. Yes, well, it's quite used to sitting in drafts. Let's have a look now. Turbot, place lobster. What's this? What's this thing? Septopus. What's that? That's an octopus with one leg missing. <laughs> a likely story. And how did it lose its leg? In a game of seven-a-side football. Don't <laughs> oh, give me that. No, no, no. Where would you find one of these football-playing octopuses? I suppose. In goal. Uh, now, may I recommend the eel? Ah, electric eel, eh? Yes, from our own battery. Yeah. <laughs> there we are, sir. How's that? Now, wait a minute. What's this wheel doing on my plate? Like I say, sir, everything we serve here comes out of the sea. But this is a bicycle wheel. Well, we found it in the sea. <laughs> we serve it with the eels. Very popular. Eels on wheels, eh? <laughs> Oh, 
I'm not eating that, I'm not that. It goes down very well with a glass of oil. That comes from the sea, too, caught in the Persian Gulf. Oh, I can't eat this. Yeah, why, why, if it's the spokes that bother you, I can always have it pillaged. Oh, not for me, no. No, not for me. Perhaps I could interest you in a Dover sole. Ah, now you're talking. Ah, there you are. Here we are. Nice Dover sole. But this is an old boot. But it came out the sea. <laughs> Cast off by a French matelot on the ferry to Calais. How do you know it's French? It's a left foot, and they walk on, on the, the left, left in front. And so that, and so that is what you laughingly call Dover Soul. Or heel. <laughs> Heels on wheels? No, no. <laughs> no, thank you. Then perhaps I can interest you in something off the trolley. Oh, yes, I think I'd rather like to look at the wheels. <laughs> Mind you, I, I often think, folks, that we're better off living in a city, you know? I went to a little English seaside resort last summer. It was dreadful, really, dreadful. You'll get an idea how bad it was if I tell you that as far as the beach was concerned, I've seen better sand in egg timers. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I think that's where it was. <laughs> yes. And uh, the people were so desperate for visitors, you know, desperate, that the lifeboat went out every morning searching for them. The lifeboat! Can you imagine that? Mind you, what people were there were so thin and white that when they went swimming, the fish threw them back. <laughs> now it's time for Betty Witherspoon's Theatre of the Air. This week, you'll be delighted to know, ladies and gentlemen, we present an extract from William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, Act One, Scene Two, Leeds United Three. <laughs> The fates those horrid Beldams noble Who set two families at their throats Both Montagues and Capulets Two houses yet alike in dignity Are now confounded By a pair of star-crossed lovers Romeo and Juliet Who by dint of lovers' magic Do bury parents' strife In fair Verona oh, Sweet listeners, I most eagerly Shall now to bed So you can work out all the nonsense I've just said <laughs> Sounded like a light, right load of balderdash to me. What was it all about? It was poetic. Poetic? Oh, I see. If you ask me, emetic would be nearer the truth. <laughs> and, <laughs> and now I'll hie to Juliet up this dewy vine. Oh, beat the drum and sound the warning trumpet. Tis noble Romeo, and he is bent on crumpet. <laughs> Oh, Romeo, where far art thou, Wacker? <laughs> wacker? Yeah, Wacker, yeah. Who's the Priminella, you? I'm Juliet, the heroine of the piece. <laughs> what do you mean, what's Man of your age, dressed up as a teenage girl. I'm not a man of my age, Wacker. What? Go no. on, you've got bags under your eyes big enough to grow geraniums in. <laughs> now, that, wait a minute, Ken. Now, that, look, just as I was getting going, that's enough of that. This is authentic Shakespeare. When he was alive, all the women's parts were played by men. Yes, that's true. And anyway, I've been in this business for years, you know. Yes, and if you don't look out, mate, I'll tell them how many. No! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, despite this whopping great fly in the ointment of great drama I'm determined to soldier on, the play is the thing and the show must go on. <clears throat> he dressed at scars that never felt a wound, but stopped. <laughs> Did someone call me, darlings? Who the hell is she? <laughs> I'm Yvonne, darling. Yvonne the Terrible, with the sound of your accent. <laughs> I wrote her in. She's my old pair. Oh, I'm sorry. You've got a pair, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, she's hardly wearing the dress. <laughs> One of my straps broke, darling. Can you see? Yes, I can see. All right. <laughs> Look, Tate, Tate. She can't act Shakespeare with a voice like that. I thought she might add something to the play. Get us a few laughs, you know. Yes. Is Shakespeare a play? And this is a play of the utmost woe. They're not, they're not supposed to laugh. They're not to have haven't we, have they? <laughs> well, they have, really. But I have to say that. Yes, that's true. You know, Donald Wolfitt got more laughs than this with King Lear. Look, while you are all arguing, darlings, can I get you a cup of coffee? You'd be better off offering a coffee to them to keep them awake. <laughs> Why don't you go back to the old country? What old country? Any old country. <laughs> oh, no, come on. Come on, Ken. Come on, Ken. Where's the compassion? Don't be too harsh on her. Go on, let her be in the play. Look, if she isn't, it'll be a terrible disappointment for her. I've been coaching her all the week, you know, teaching her how to project. Oh! <laughs> Just have to be joking. No, she's got she's got show business in her blood. No wonder she looks so lumpy. <laughs> People like lumpy women. Yes, no, yes, no, it's no, nice no. to have something to fall back it's on. Long. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> What? I've got an idea. Let her be Juliet, and I'll be the nurse. You'll be the nurse? Yes. You sure you can manage it? Manage it? Of course I can manage it. Everyone knows my range. I'm the last of the great actor managers. And when I say that, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, after all, after all is said and done, what can Maggie Smith do that I can't do? My answer, that would be off the air. <laughs> oh, I mean, look at you. Not a tooth in your head, a mouth like the ruins of Pompeii. Oh, no. And it's not only a question of senility. Senility, come off it. I want to just reach 52. Oh, what delayed you, mate? <laughs> What's the actual experience as a bloke like you got for a role like this? Oh, lots, lots what? and lots. Oh, oh yes. What? Only two years ago, I was in pantomime. I was. What? I was playing the front half of Des O'Connor. Which is a fortnight at the Mecca. Of all Shakespearean performance. Oh, as it may seem, there's no Royal Shakespeare Company in Rotherham. All right, I'll leave you two young thespians to get on with the love scene. Mm. Oh, goodness me, acting with you, the great Sir Peggy Ashcroft. I must be dreaming. I'll pinch myself. Allow me. Oh! <laughs> Come on, dear. Here, settle down now. On yes. with the action. <clears throat> Ah, Juliet, how dulcet is the virginal, and dulcet thou of all most virginal. Oh, but I'm not a... You don't have to be, dear, one of us. <laughs> ah, ah, my dearest dear, what would I have to give you for one sweet kiss? Let me steal one sweet cherub. Ah! <laughs> not so fast, hot lips. Oh! Oh! Hey, uh, hey, what's uh, happened here? Ken, what's wrong? What? Didn't you follow my advice about kissing her when she least expects it? When? Yes. Oh, I thought you said where. <laughs> and there, I'm afraid, we have to end our version of Romeo and Juliet, which will be repeated over my dead body. <laughs> Stay around, longer sun, and your wish could come true. <laughs> Next week, Betty Witherspoon's here to the air. Presents that moving story about the British Rail ticket inspector entitled A Man for All Seasons. <laughs> ah, yes, my friends. Yes, indeed. On that note of dignity, I take my leave. You're not joking. No. No, I'm not. It's goodbye on behalf of Betty Witherspoon. How nice it has been having you with us. Indeed, Betty joins me. She joins me in thanking you for coming. God bless you and bye-bye. The Betty Witherspoon Show starred Ted Ray and Kenneth Williams and featured Miriam Margulies and Nigel Reese.
script was written by Michael Whale and Joe Steeples. The music was by Neil Innes and the violin was played by Ted Ray. Kenneth Williams played The Fool and the programme was produced by Simon Brett.